So with this episode, this will be my attempt at getting Ulterior Banana Podcast back on like a regular weekly schedule. Um, I, yeah, I took a couple of weeks off from weekly episodes just because I, I feel like I've hammered this point into the fucking ground already. But I just had to take some time to, you know, figure stuff out, fix myself. I'm not fixed. I haven't figured anything out. But I know I have to just keep doing this show. Um, the format for this week and every week moving forward is going to be just a little bit different from what I've done before. What I used to do was I would, like, review all the singles alphabetically and then go into the albums and EPs based off of what I liked the least up to what I liked the most. What I'm going to be doing now is I took, I took a couple of singles that like really, really stood out to me and I'm going to talk about them to some extent of detail. And then after that, I'll read off all the other singles that I didn't get to talk about because I feel like they still warrant like some kind of a shout on this show. And then after that, I'll go into the albums and EPs. So yeah, just, you know, bear with me. I'm trying to, trying to figure out how I want to go about this show because I do want to keep doing this show. I just, it, it's still a work in progress and it's really been a work in progress this whole time. So the first thing I'm going to talk about this week is the new Ice Nine Kills single called Hip to Be Scared, which features Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach. This song is the first single to what we know now as The Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horrorwood, which drops on October 15th. There's a lot to go through here, but I'll start by saying that I am so fucking happy that Ice Nine Kills are moving into this direction, where they're seemingly embracing the cheesy nature of the horror genre and leaning into it in a way that is so unapologetic. So, and I guess, you know, Potentially, there could be anyone listening to this who doesn't really know the backstory of the last couple of years of Ice Nine Kills, so I'll just go over that briefly. In 2018, the band released The Silver Scream, and each song on that record was based on a different horror film. That trend is continuing with The Silver Scream 2, and Hip To Be Scared is about American Psycho. The song itself is tremendous, in my opinion. It's heavy while, you know, still being so impactful in its chorus. But to me, the highlight comes from The Bridge, which is a reenactment of the scene in American Psycho where, um, I, I, I guess spoiler warning for American Psycho, even though that film is like 20 years old or something like that. Uh, it, it's a reenactment of the scene where Patrick Bateman kills Paul Allen. And in the song and music video, Spencer plays Patrick while Jacoby plays Paul. And I want to say now that when I heard beforehand that this song would feature Jacoby, that was a little bit concerning to me just because I didn't feel that an Ice Nine Kill song needed a feature, especially on a lead single. Like, my assumption was that, you know, Jacoby was getting a verse or part of the chorus or some other avenue that features normally go down. But instead, the song turns into an 80s pop track, like Hip to be Square by Huey Lewis and the News, which is the song that plays in the scene of the movie. And, and then Spencer and Jacoby have some dialogue that, again, is inspired by American Psycho. Like, Spencer asks him, 
Do you like Ice Nine Kills? To which Jacoby gives the most uninterested, not really, I've ever heard. And then Spencer takes an axe and kills Jacoby, which leads into the breakdown. It, it, all of it, it's just fucking genius in my opinion. I loved everything about this song, and it's such a cool, like, I, I don't know, man, I guess marriage between Ice Nine Kills and their fan base. Because it's really not often in music where both parties are after the same thing. And in, in this case, Ice Nine Kills want to explore horror even further, and that coincides with what their fan base wants from them. Next is Dying Wish's new single called Fragments of a Bitter Memory, which is the second single from their album of the same name out on October 1st. This was one of the bigger surprises of last week for myself. Not because I didn't think I would like the song, I knew I would because I have enjoyed everything I've heard from Dying Wish up to this point. But this song is just on another level that eclipses not only what Dying Wish have already done, but also so many other bands in the scene this year. I was so, so, so close to naming this my favorite song of the week. It, it was really just the theatrics of Ice Nine Kills that put that song above Dying Wish, but I want to emphasize that I think Fragments of a Bitter Memory is a perfect single. It manages to be unrelentingly brutal while still being catchy, and, and like there's even this little bit in the middle of the song where Emma Boaster briefly shows off her clean singing. And again, it's very brief, but it's still added so much to this track, and I have no reason to doubt the potential that Dying Wish have on this upcoming album in October. Yours truly released what is, at least for now, a standalone single called Walk Over My Grave. This band had a record last year called Self Care that was, honestly, not that much of a standout release for me. I love the songs Together and Siamese Souls off of that release, but I struggle to recall anything else I heard on it. So I, I was at least hopeful that Walk Over My Grave would be an impactful song, and yet I was still completely blown away by what I heard. This is easily the strongest form of yours truly I've ever heard, and, and there's a level of aggression to this song that I don't believe was present on self-care or even their EP from before that. In some areas of the instrumentation, I'm reminded more of post-hardcore than I am pop-punk, even though the latter is very much so what this song is grounded in. It's just this very sick and versatile track that I think is the biggest showcase to date of what yours truly are capable of. Young Culture announced a new EP for July 30th called Godspeed, and they also released the title track. To somewhat oppose what I just said about Yours Truly right now, Young Culture had a self-titled record last year, and I very much enjoyed it. It was just this really chill and heartfelt pop-punk record, and then the band followed it up last month with Hum, which I liked, but I haven't really gone back to it a ton. But Godspeed might be my favorite thing this band has ever done. It feels like it's in line with what I've heard from Young Culture before, so they don't necessarily take any chances or branch out of their comfort zone, they just refine the sound that they already had and show that there's still a lot that they have to offer in that area. Godspeed is very catchy, and the bridge in particular was a section that stood out to me for its lyrics. No matter where you go, the places that you'll see, no matter who you find, the people that you'll meet, 
I'm always on your side, I wish you Godspeed, and you can know that you'll always have me. There was just something that hit me when hearing that section for the first time, and honestly, every time afterward, and it made me feel, like, I guess, positively about an aspect of my life that I don't always have good things to say about without getting too personal. So, I'll leave that there and just say that I'm really excited for what the rest of this EP brings. Badflower finally announced their new album, This Is How The World Ends, which is releasing on September 24th. They've had two singles in the last year, 30 and Fuck The World, both of which are not actually on this record. So, Family is the lead single, and that song hit me and stuck with me in a way that no other Badflower track has been able to up to this point. I think Badflower have been a solid band this entire time, but Family, to me, feels like a real turning point for them. Like, if this record takes off in the way I think it can, then I'll look back on Family and say that it was this single that started everything for at least how I view Badflower. It's very eerie in its approach with minimal instrumentation, while Josh Katz almost whispers the lyrics initially. Like, the second he comes in with the lines, Tastes bitter on the guilty tongue, it's hard to see, I'm the chosen one. You instantly just stop everything and give all your attention to this person who is burying his soul while the soundtrack to what sounds like the fucking apocalypse is backing him. And that all builds up to the chorus near the end of the song where the band finally lets loose. And, and by the end of it, Josh is just repeating the line, what happened to this family in such an emotional and like gut-wrenching manner. It's a fucking whirlwind of a song and I cannot stop listening to it. And I really, really want that to be the case with the rest of the record on September 24th. Don Broco put out the second single from Amazing Things, dropping on September 17th. This time, it's Gumshield, and I'll start by saying that I don't connect with this song the same way that I did with the lead single, Manchester Super Red's number one fan. That being said, I have such an admiration for the way that Don Broco promoted this single. Rob Damiani, the vocalist of the band, was posting on social media about becoming a boxer and he had like real visual proof of him sparring in a gym. He had a fight set up, and then when the time for the fight came, all it ultimately was, was the music video for Gum Shield, which they've done something like this before when promoting the song Pretty a couple of years ago. And then there was a thing for Manchester where they were just posting pictures of David Beckham to all their social media accounts. So, you know, it's another notch for the sheer brilliance of Don Broco and whoever helps them market their shit, but for the song itself, I, I think it's very good, don't get me wrong, um, but like, I just thought that Manchester was better. This is still excellent, and just further validation of the unbelievable bar that Don Broco set for themselves time and time again, where, you know, it's possible for me to hear a song like Gumshield and say that it's not their best work, yet I still think it's better than the majority of what other acts in the scene put out. Bad Entertainment is the newest single from Trash Boat, who are putting out their new album, Don't You Feel Amazing, on August 13th. This song features Milky Way from Wargasm, who, who comes in during the bridge and, and adds an element that separates it from any of the other singles for this record. There's this almost, like, 
2000s alternative vibe to this track. It's kind of frantic without being fast-paced, which I'm sure doesn't really make any sense, but it's just how I perceived the sound. I think Trash Boat have been really consistent with their rollout of singles ahead of this new record, and that's not necessarily something that I would have expected on this cycle, because I didn't fully click with them on past releases, but now I can say that I have high expectations for Don't You Feel Amazing. Envy by Afterlife is the third single from their album Part of Me out on August 13th. A lot of August 13th releases, so, you know, that's cool. Afterlife is a band that I'm constantly impressed with, but I think I'm still waiting for the one song that completely takes me aback. I, I don't think they've gotten to that point yet, but with every single, they're getting closer. Envy balances heaviness with rhythm very fluidly and is such an easy track to get into. There's a breakdown at the very end that does the whole, like, slowed down chugging chords thing that's definitely been overdone in metalcore, but I still thought it was well executed here. So yeah, there's a lot to be excited for over Afterlife. Billie Eilish released NDA, which is off of Happier Than Ever, releasing on July 30th. Admittedly, I do think this is my least favorite single for the record so far, but this is another case of what I said about Don Broco where the bar is set so high that even a song that falls slightly below its predecessors is still excellent. It's very faint, both in terms of the instrumentation and Billy's vocal style, but picks up a bit during the chorus, and I think that brings the remainder of the song together so well. Carol's Daughter has a new song out called Please Put Me in a Medically Induced Coma. I think because of the scene that I come from, I'm used to these long-winded titles being, you know, just inside jokes that are not actual recited lyrics. Yet with this song, the hook is actually, please put me in a medically induced coma. So I was really appreciative to hear the title in the song. The track itself feels like it could be lumped into the whole pop-punk revival thing going on. Although it feels like it also meshes in just, you know, straightforward alternative. I've grown to like this song a lot over the last week, and I think Carol's daughter has a great shot at broadening her audience, because she's got tour dates soon with MGK, The Used, and Coheed and Cambria. She is absolutely a star that people need to watch grow. The last song I'm going to talk about today on its own is Miracle Baby by Nothing But Thieves. This is off of Moral Panic 2 which is their new EP out on July 23rd. This is the follow-up to their album last year, Moral Panic, which I initially kind of just brushed off and didn't give much attention to. And then Sam from The State of the Scene named it his album of the year, and I was like, yo, let me bump this shit real quick. And I ended up really liking it, which is the same story with their most recent singles for this new EP. Miracle Baby has a huge electronic flair to it that feels anthemic and as if it would be giant in an arena setting. Like, I don't know if alternative space rock is a real genre that I can pitch, but it's what feels appropriate for this song, and I think Nothing But These are going to deliver big time with this EP. So, those are the singles that I wanted to highlight on this episode. 
The other tracks I reviewed on social media last week and I felt favorable toward are as follows. Devil's Cut by Alt, After Midnight by Chapter and Verse, The Gnashing by Death Haven, Tattoo by Girlfriends, TYSM by Happy Hour, The Furthest Corners by Heirloom, The Empiric by Memorist, If This Is Love by Palmist, In the Night by Phineas, Children of the Dark by Poor Stacy, Tyrant by Sentinels, and Anything by With Confidence. I, I very much so encourage everyone to still go listen to those songs, even if I didn't give them their dedicated time. I'm just trying to, you know, cut back on the length of this show because that was my biggest issue with the prior episodes. And of every song that I reviewed last week, there was one that I said I didn't mind, and that was Lane in Memory by Everyone Dies in Utah. I just can't really get into that band no matter how many times I try. And they're not really doing anything wrong. It's just not for me. And then the one song that I didn't like was America at Night by Creeper. Which is a shame because their prior single, Midnight, is one of my favorite songs of the year so far. But, you know, this one just, it, it, it missed the mark for me. And I suppose that's a return to form for Creeper, who 9 times out of 10 I'm not really impressed with. So, having gotten through the singles, let's go ahead and talk about some records now. I'm actually going to start with a record that I had no idea about until the middle of the week because of its unique circumstances. Jutes technically has a new album out called Careful What You Wish For. It's 10 tracks long, but there's really only one new song on it. For a few months now, Jutes was releasing new singles every Friday. And then he posted a video to social media last week explaining that he felt the weekly drops had become stagnant and formulaic, so he's stopping them for the time being. What he did was take 10 of his favorite singles and compiled them into one album. This is cool for me because now it gives me an excuse to potentially mention Jutes later on this year when I make the episodes for my favorite records of the year. And this was also a good refresher for what these singles sounded like. It all reminded me just how incredible Jutes is and how he has a real claim to being one of the standout solo artists of 2021. And that's evident right from the opening song, Give You a Call, which stands as my favorite Jutes song in these weekly drops. You get this phenomenal blend of hip-hop, R&B, pop, and pop-punk throughout these tracks with some of the biggest sing-along moments of the entire year. And then that new song in his compilation, Here We Go Again, allowed Jutes to close out this chapter of his career in such an emphatic manner. Jutes' eventual return will be appreciated and respected, but I am more than fine living with these songs on Careful What You Wish For. Victims dropped their new album, Volume 4, Numb the Ache, I remember first hearing Carefully Caged, which is the second track, a few months ago, and I was really, really fucking high on it. There were a few more singles that came afterward, and I thought each of them were, you know, good, but I wasn't necessarily under the impression that this could be a record that really stuck with me. I thought that maybe I'd be entertained by it and acknowledge that it's great metalcore, but leave it at that. For the most part, 
and specifically the first half of the record, that's precisely what Numb the Ache is. Great metalcore that any fan of the genre can't really go wrong attaching themselves to. But it was the seventh track, Intoxication, that really made me take a step back and examine what it was I was listening to. Intoxication is a dark pop song that feels so unsettling in its execution. The vocal duties are handled by drummer Meredith, and I think she fucking killed this performance. It is one of the coolest things I've heard on a metalcore release all year. The album then returned to its core nature for a few more tracks, and all of them being very solid for that matter. New Face Same Loneliness hit me much harder as part of the full record than it did just as a single, and I've grown to find a new appreciation for it. The title track Numb the Ache scales things back again with Meredith fronting the song, and it adds even more depth to victims when working alongside Intoxication. The closer, Suddenly Everything Changed, provides a more accessible take on metalcore, and I thought it did a lot to show what victims are capable of aside from just being a heavy band. So while I do think this record is largely what I expected it to be, those bits that were unexpected really helped me look at victims in a different light. There's more talent to this group than I thought, and an expansion on some of the more radical ideas in Numb the Ache can give this band the tools in the future that no one else can claim. Nightlife is a new band that is fronted by Hansel, or Scenefax, as some people on Twitter might know him. They put out their debut EP called New Low, which is only three tracks long, but I think they're three effective songs that really do a good job at selling this band on what they're meant to be. There's this alternative R&B and jazz on these tracks in a way that I, I wouldn't really compare them to other scene acts with that type of style, like Issues or Varsity, or any other ones y'all can think of. Truthfully, The Weeknd was really the first act that came to mind when hearing the title track. There's that level of bounce and danceability to everything Nightlife do, and I think Hansel's delivery and cadence is perfect for that style. The second track, All I Know, follows a similar path, and I want to say I saw a tweet from Hansel explaining that Julian from Loveless contributed to the song, and knowing that, it makes sense, because I can definitely hear Loveless there. The final track, Lonely, ended up being my favorite while also being the one that had the least to do with alternative music. It's just such a chill, laid-back sounding song that's really easy to get lost in. It feels like pop music personified, and I've definitely gone back to it so many times over the last week. A debut EP is always like a thesis statement for a band, and I think Nightlife really stole themselves through this work. They picked the right songs to introduce themselves with, and I'm eager to hear more from them in the future. Structures made their return with an EP called None of the Above. If I'm being honest, this is the first time I'm listening to this band. They had albums in 2011 and 2014, but I didn't know about them back then, and didn't until they dropped Planet of Garbage as the lead single last month. So, I, I don't have any reference points for what structures sounded like before this EP, but I also feel like I'm okay with that, because I got to experience a new band through what 
I consider to be a flawless release. Planet of Garbage has so much punch to it and really cements this EP's sound that mixes metalcore with hardcore. That continues into 6, which features Brendan Murphy from Counterparts and End. The band continue to build the aggression through the song, while Brendan's given his space to do what he does best. Gone Dead, despite being shorter than 2 minutes, really might be my favorite song on the whole EP. There's a quick moment in the middle that fuses hip-hop into the track before embracing new metal in the rest of its runtime. Civilian has no intro and goes straight into its brutality, and that's not unique to just this song, but I think it was more effective here than anywhere else on the record. Michael Barr from Volumes has a feature here, and like Brendan on an earlier song, it felt like he had free reign to implement his sound that fans of Volumes would be expecting listening to this song. The last two tracks, Psycho Hour and Fortune Fades, feel like they work in unison in giving the EP its well-deserved closer, and in just only 15 minutes, Structures burned through six songs and did everything they needed to leave a lasting impression. Finally, we got a new record from the main titled XOXO from Love and Anxiety in Real Time. I believe this is their eighth record, and if that's not true, then it's still a number that's up there because this is a band with a very extensive history in the scene. And at this stage, the main knows who they are, and anyone who's listened to them should know what they're getting with new music from them. And in my opinion, what you're getting are some of the catchiest and most upbeat songs that alternative pop can offer you. The first single to the record, Sticky, really got across that the main were still going down the direction that most benefits them, and that notion remained the same throughout the singles afterward, like Lips and April 7th. I think the length of the record is one of its strong suits, at least in comparison to their last album, You Are Okay. That album was 10 songs and 44 minutes, which is fine, but at times I did feel that record overstayed its welcome just slightly. XOXO is 10 songs as well, but 32 minutes, so I think it's a more effective release that lets every song breathe and come into its own. There was only one moment where I thought maybe the record was losing me, and that was on the song If Your Light Goes Out. On a first listen, I didn't think it was something I'd go back to, but then I did, and it managed to grow on me, but I do still think it's important to note that it took time for me to understand that track. The eighth song, Dirty Pretty Beautiful, was a standout song on the record since I feel like it takes the concepts of every sound present and, and like it just acts as the quintessential main song in the same way I thought English Girls was on American Candy. The closing song, Face Towards the Sun, kind of feels like just that. Like as if the album is riding off into the sunset and it, it's capping it off with this memorable song that is much more layered and intricate in its details than any other song on XOXO. And ultimately, I think I got a record that only has the potential to go up from here. Like, I don't see myself becoming less interested in XOXO over the next few months, 
And if anything, I might end up being more interested in it. And that pretty much covers all my thoughts on scene music from last week. And, you know, yeah, I do feel kind of bad about not talking about every single song that released. But I feel like that is necessary for me to not burn myself out with this show. Because, you know, some past episodes had runtimes of like an hour or an hour and ten minutes or an hour and a half. And like, that's not fun for me to record. It's not fun for me to have to go back and edit. And this show was definitely reaching a point where talking about these songs every week was beginning to feel like a chore. And, you know, that that's not that's not good. That's not what this hobby should be bringing me. I should be excited and eager to get on here every week and talk about these songs with passion. And had I continued to go down the avenue that I was, that would not have been possible. So, you know, I, I'm just asking people, anyone listening, for just a bit of space to figure out exactly what this new format will be. So, I'm just going to go ahead and cut off the episode here and let everyone else go about their days. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.